We are I. Testosterone and testosterone effects on the body and more importantly, a few of the the takeaways that I've learned lately, you know, is putting some just getting a general understanding about testosterone and how to be able to change the levels of testosterone because obviously this is important to to me as a man, but also, you know, to me as an athlete, this also should be important to women as well. Um, And the things that I find interesting is the conflicting evidence online. And obviously this shouldn't surprise anybody. And, you know, it really makes me shake my head because this is what polarizes people so much. So I'm just going to pick a part of this one, one component um, of what lowers your testosterone. So if you just Google, you know, like what kind of diet lowers your testosterone levels, and it says like a diet, you know, when we look at just strictly food, a diet in high saturated fat and high sugar, like especially refined sugar. And it's like, okay, so if you read that, you're like, fuck, you know, like, here's the selling case to be able to, you know, decrease my fat intake, you know, decrease my sugar intake, I don't want to affect my testosterone levels. It doesn't really necessarily say exactly how much and, you know, the sites that do, it's a little bit contradictory of like, what the actual decrease may be. But then you're like, hey, wait a minute, you know, but fats in our body, lipids in our body, they help transport hormones like testosterone. So how would saturated fat lower testosterone? And does this mean that people on a ketogenic diet have notoriously low testosterone levels? You're like, well, no, that actually isn't the case. And she's like, well, who's making that statement and why? So you dig deeper into like this subject and you find out that there was a, a predominant study done and it found that individuals who took 75 grams of glucose uh, before getting their testosterone levels checked, and this is between 30 minutes and two hours before they get their testosterone levels checked, that they had a decrease of 25% in their testosterone levels. And you're like, huh, interesting. So then you go back to this first bit of information that you found out and said, well, is it like, is it really saturated fat and a high sugar diet, high refined sugar? Like, is it really? Because like this study specifically points out that it could be just the sugar. So is the first study done with people who just poor diets across the board? And this is what lowered their testosterone levels. Because if we isolate just the glucose, just the refined sugars, and they have an abundant amount in 75 grams for the average westernized, you know, North American diet, I mean, North America, excluding Mexico is going like 75 grams, is not a lot, not a lot at all. And it's like, huh, interesting, really interesting. You know, but that, that's why you have to kind of dive deep into the information a little bit and say, I think there might be a little bit more to this. Because for one, I know people on a ketogenic diet don't have a massive decrease in testosterone levels, not true at all. You know, but now I know that, you know, people with high refined sugar diets do have a decrease in testosterone levels. And I think that that's pretty fucking obvious, pretty obvious. 
So this is where the polarization comes in because you have somebody who wants to have a, you know, air quotes, intelligent conversation with you, but they only read maybe the first headline, but don't really understand the next two to be able to debate the three properly. Because you're like, okay, okay. So this is, this is interesting. You know, so I look at this from the perspective as well is that people who work out, so then this is the next you know, topic that I was, you know, researching and being like, how polarizing is this? So people who lift heavy, heavy resistance training, who work out, it can temporarily increase their testosterone levels and keep their testosterone levels high and maintain them being higher than if they than if they didn't work out. So it's very situational to the person. So it'll help increase their testosterone levels and keep them up as long as they're working out. However, with the caveat that they don't work out too much and not get enough sleep because that can then actually decrease their testosterone levels. You're like, huh, okay, well, who gets to define how much and what is too much and what is too little rest? So when you kind of take away, you know, this information, well, if working out temporarily increases my testosterone levels, and life used to be very physically demanding, so it probably isn't necessarily the workload, but again, now you've combined two things, one that you know has a positive effect, and one that you know notoriously has a negative effect, so like physical activity, positive effects, lack of rest, lack of recovery, always negative, the lack of recovery and lack of sleep is always negative, never positive. Like, when you look at that, so how can you combine the two? One notoriously positive, working out. One notoriously negative, lack of recovery. Do you see a trend here? You have one notoriously positive, saturated fats. And one notoriously negative, refined sugars. So when you look at it from this perspective, when you take both of these things, you're seeing a very common trend. You're taking you're taking one thing, these these so-called, you know, maybe online experts, air quotes, they're taking one thing that's very positive or has very positive attributes and combining it with something that's obviously negative and saying that here's a negative outcome. And it's like, well, no, how about you isolate in your data set just the negative component and you focus on that because that makes a lot of fucking logical sense, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it? Like, when you stop to think about this, if I say, okay, I have a gas pedal and a brake pedal on a car. Well, both of them together are very positive. If I take away the brake pedal, and I only have a gas pedal, well, that's pretty fucking negative. You probably don't want to press on that gas pedal. So when you isolate one thing out, you can have a very positive effect. And, you know, maybe that's a really shitty example now that I talk about it. Maybe I should put a little bit more thought into, you know, my analogy before I started to talk. You know, and I guess I could technically edit it out. But I, I really think at the end of the day, you can get the point that I'm trying to make is that you can't couple something negative with something positive and then say, well, this negative thing now become or this positive thing now becomes negative because I've coupled it with this negative thing. Well, it's like a fucking course. 
Like, what were you expecting to happen? Like, this is the part that is really, truly unbelievable to me. And I think that this is the the cholesterol debate 101 here. You know, is that you have something that has, like, positive effects in the body, LDL cholesterol, whether you want to, you know, hop on that train or not. But then you couple it with atherosclerosis, heart disease, you know, the clogging of the arteries. And you now say, okay, well, because I've coupled LDL with this, you know, atherosclerosis, it becomes negative. It's like, well, no, if you have LDL cholesterol on its own, on its own, just isolated by itself, not necessarily negative, not necessarily negative at all. But then when you couple it, With something that is negative, of course it becomes fucking negative. Like, what do you expect to happen? When you couple a positive with a negative, now the negative becomes positive and you have a double positive? Well, probably not. Probably not. It's going to drag down the positive. That is just the natural course. Is there a balancing point between the two somewhere in the middle? Absolutely. Absolutely. But if it drags down the positive and slightly increases the negative, it's still going to be looked upon as negative. Like that's just reality. So this is the part that's frustrating to me when you go online, especially if you're not going to learn how to be able to disseminate the information. You just regurgitate it and pass it on. Because what I take out of this is that if I'm on a ketogenic diet and I'm training hard, that I have a really good chance. So hold on, let's back it up a little bit. If I'm on a ketogenic diet and I'm training hard, and maybe not a full-blown ketogenic diet because you want to have more protein. Let's just say a protein-rich diet that's rich in healthy fats, very low in sugars, especially refined sugars, processed bullshit. So a really good solid diet, really good. And you couple that with really good training, heavy training, variety training, with good rest, good recovery? Well, doesn't that sound like if you just isolate the positives out of that, doesn't that sound like that you have a really great recipe for success? Like, it just is fucking mind-boggling to me. The part that's the most mind-boggling to me when I really look at it is that Alcohol, we know that somewhere between 5 and 10%, it can lower your testosterone levels. But how many guys who go work out, and women too, how many people who go work out, and then at the end of the day, before they go to bed, they have a couple of drinks. So at the end of the day, when you need your testosterone levels to be high, when you just increase them from working out, and you're about to go to bed, so the alcohol doesn't allow you to be able to get the good quality sleep and recovery that you need. It also lowers your testosterone levels after you just went and did something to be able to increase your testosterone levels and something to be able to help you sleep. So interesting little fact there. On top of that, how many times throughout the course of the years, and still carries a lot of validity, but where does this actually flesh out? Is that, you know, I've regurgitated and told because I believe and I still do believe in this. So don't get me wrong. But it's like to what extent and this is where it really gets to know your body. If you want to eat something that's very high in simple sugars, simple carbohydrates to be able to replenish the glycogen stores in your muscles and your liver after a workout. 
Like, yes, you do need to do that, but at what cost? Like, what cost are we talking about here if we know that if you eat 75 grams of simple sugar, simple glucose, can lower your testosterone levels by 25%, 30 minutes to 120 minutes after workout or after ingestion of this 75 grams of glucose. So do you really want to have that glucose in your system post-workout when you just finish increasing your testosterone levels? Because you don't get a 25% increase in testosterone levels from working out, but you get a 25% decrease. So now you're at a net negative. So you're like, huh, okay, this is interesting. Very interesting. So... This is where I've been left off on my quest to be able to understand testosterone levels a little bit more. And, you know, we're really only talking about playing around with your body's natural testosterone levels, not even artificially, um, you know, consuming any testosterone. But you can see that if you're artificially supplementing testosterone into your body, how you can really set yourself up for a recipe um, of detriment, if you don't properly make some really good fundamental changes along the way or else you forever have to stay on testosterone replacement therapy because you might be getting away with not sleeping and not doing adequate recovery techniques. You might be getting away with that. You might be getting away with having that extra sugar that's going to lower your testosterone levels. Absolutely. You know, like you might be able to get away with all these things because your body doesn't have to rely on producing its own testosterone. So... What have you learned? And if you stop, what is the detriment of that? Like These are some really good key important questions to ask, I think. Because when you look at the information just that is presented to you through some quick Google searches, you got to be very, very careful. Very careful. So I guess the moral of the story is we got to properly do like good, thorough research and really get out of just reading headlines to be able to get a confirmation bias. You know, whether that's confirmation bias on either side of that scale, I guess. You can really easily disprove something that you want to believe because you're just really not willing to be able to put in the research and you get a confirmation bias by just being like, hey, I Googled, you know, like X, Y, Z, and it turns out to be true. You know, but maybe you should read into it a little bit more because there might be more to the story to be told. 